Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. Welcome, Janelle, Vagina Rehab Doc. You are amazing. And uh, and I'm just so excited that you're going to be doing this podcast because based on the content you share on social media, this is going to be juicy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. And you're great. I love going to your page and literally binging your exercises and your content. So I'm excited to be here and get into the topic of pelvic health with you. I love it. And right, I, we, I quickly started recording because I was like, wait, we got to be recording this because you were, you were going and you were like, what makes me different? And so I want you to repeat what you just said. That's so good. What makes you different in the world of pelvic health PT? Yeah. So I think in the world of pelvic floor health and pelvic physical therapy, a lot of us are saying really great things, um, but a lot of us are saying the same thing. And a lot of us are saying it in such a medical way that quite frankly, it's boring. I mean, I I know for me, sometimes as I'm going through Instagram or TikTok or whatever, I'm seeing these different things that are very true, but it's it's not digestible because it's literally called Instagram. And so if you can't grab someone's attention in an instant, I feel that the the content is just not going to reach your crowd. So I think for me, what I know for me, what I try and do is Make it entertaining and also say things in different ways and bring out different functions that we don't typically think is related to our pelvic floor, like our sex drive or like our periods or, um, you know, even infections like yeast infections and and uh, UTI symptoms and many things that we don't think. Uh, I think when we talk about pelvic floor, all we talk about is peeing your pants, um, getting pregnant or postpartum and painless sex. And then we leave it there. But the pelvic floor is active in so many different areas of our life. And so it dissects so many things that we wouldn't even think about if we're not talking about it. You're so right. And you you are very entertaining, I have to say. You're like my favorite. <laughs> it's, I'm always like, oh, there's a new reel. I got to watch it. So it's so good. It's so good. And uh, the dance moves you do, you're always in your office and like your scrubs. Oh it's awesome. Yeah, people are always like, yo, if someone walks in on you while you're doing this, you're fired. And, you know, granted, I've been blessed to work at a place where they know what I do online and they're actually really supportive of it. I haven't had any issues so far, um, but I'm about to be going independent next next month. Ooh, so congrats. For myself. Yeah. Amazing. So I won't have any balls so I can shake my booty as, as <laughs> much as I want in my reels. <laughs> I don't have to worry about getting fired or anything like that. I love it. You're amazing. Okay. You do talk about sex a lot on Instagram, which is is awesome. I mean, you're also on the right podcast to talk about sex because we love to go there. We go there. We go there. Um, And you mentioned, I'm reading your bio here. You went to like, you've got a Christian, you went to a Christian college. You, you know, you are a practicing Christian. And I'm not saying the two are, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Incongruent. But I mean, I'm wondering, does anyone in your life kind of raise their eyebrows? in any way of what you're doing or are they supportive? 
Um, I think for the most part, people are supportive because even for Christians and religious people, they're not getting this information. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether you're religious, Christian, Muslim, whatever it is, I think people appreciate when you're talking about something that hasn't been talked about. You have questions that you were too scared to ask. And I think an assumption is if someone's talking about sex in depth, that they're pushing you to do something. Mm-hmm. But that's not the truth. Sex is a topic, just like math or fitness or nutrition. So just because I'm talking about it doesn't mean I'm telling someone to go do this, go sleep with 10 people tomorrow. <laughs> this, this is a topic. I mean, and it dissects every person's life and in one way or another, whether you're sexually active or not, we're all sexual. We have sexual organs, right? We came here likely via sex. And so I think that it's important, especially that Christians and religious people talk about it, because if you believe in God, then you believe that God created sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So then why wouldn't you talk about it? He's the one that made us horny. <laughs> He's the one that made us this way. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. It's, it's yeah. oh, everything you say. It's just, you say it in, in such a, uh, an easy to understand way, but also like, I feel like this is just an observation. I feel like you can kind of get away with saying shit that like a lot of other people can't get away with. I'm like, you go, Janelle. Well, okay. If I'm being completely honest, sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope my church members don't see this one. (laughs) Because, you know, people are going to be judgmental and, you know, they might, you know, have different things to say. But, But overall, I think that sexual education should be open, honest. It should be empowering. And it should be for everyone, even for someone, let's say someone's waiting until marriage to have sex. They should start learning about it before because it, it's not just going to happen all in one. Okay, it's my wedding. And now I know exactly what to do. I know how to embrace my sexuality. That's not going to happen <laughs> all in one moment. And so there's, there's really no religion that encourages ignorance. So I think it's, it's important that we learn as much as we can, can about our bodies. I would absolutely agree with you. There's no question about that. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth, or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. So, okay, let's go into the conversation. Because before this interview, I was like, listen, I know you've done a lot of content on, you know, peeing your pants kind of thing. Like we've talked about this before on on We Go There as well. But we want to get more into how your posture specifically, posturally impacts your sexual health, your libido, everything. And you brought some interesting stuff up. So let's dive into this. Okay. I love talking about this. So thanks for giving me the opportunity. Most of us don't give our posture a second thought unless someone mentions the word, then we all sit up, right? (laughs) We all just sit up when someone talks about it. However, holding our body is important. I like to think of a baby, 
Yeah. So with posture, if we were holding a baby, we would want to support the neck. We want to make sure that the, the legs are also supported. We wouldn't just let a baby dangle. But if we think about ourselves, our posture is the way we hold ourselves. So if we have poor posture and our pelvis is tucked under, we're slouch, our neck is really far forward, like we're a turtle, then it's so many different things changing inside of the body with that. And so with the pelvis, the pelvis is the place that our sexual organs live. And the clitoris is right at the opening of the vulva. It's surrounding the vaginal opening. And we know that the clitoral head is right above the, the pee hole. And if you're slouching, what's happening is you're clamping down on your pelvic floor muscles. You're shortening them. And then they're not able to receive the blood flow. Being aroused is nothing more than blood rushing to your clitoris and your vagina and your uterus. That's what arousal is. It's just blood flow. Mm -hmm. And so when we clamp down on those muscles, when we slouch, when our pelvis is tucked under and we're no longer sitting on our sit bones, we're now sitting on our tailbone, then there's decreased blood flow and there's no stimulation to the outer one third of the vagina, which is actually the most sensitive part of the vagina, not deep all the way inside, <laughs> the opening of the vagina and also the clitoris. So when I tell my patients to, to untuck their tailbone, don't sit on your tail because we all have this tailbone. Imagine that you have a tail. Don't sit on it. Sit on your sit bones. You'll immediately feel more stimulation around the vagina, more stimulation to the clitoris, and you're getting more blood leaving and coming from those pelvic organs. And so now just sitting there, you'll actually feel more aroused just by changing your posture. Now, granted, for someone who has had poor posture for years, their sex drive could be impacted, their arousal could be impacted, even their ability to orgasm or the strength of that orgasm um, could be impacted by the pelvic floor. So we have to start connecting more of the spicy things in life, right? It's not just urinary incontinence. It's, can you have an orgasm and does it feel um, unremarkable? <laughs> you know, does it feel like you can just easily forget that orgasm? Then let's take a look at your pelvic floor because that's what's contracting during an orgasm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so, so true. And it's more motivating maybe for people to then make these changes. For some people, maybe they would be motivated by fixing incontinence. Sure. But yeah. we've also been kind of marketed like, oh, it's normal, right? Yeah. To, to, to leak. And obviously you and I are both doing our best to try to change that dialogue and that rhetoric. But I don't think we talk enough about women who are having a hard time orgasming. Yes. And and it's sort of like a lot of times we've been, you know, I mean, I know you know the stats better than I do. What is the stat of women who can actually have an orgasm through internal penetration? It's not about, about 20%. Only 20%. So the outside part's really important. It's really, really important. And, you know, I, I think we should just go ahead and say that if you cannot orgasm from penetration, nothing is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But with that said, even though you have not yet orgasmed from penetration, it doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that you have not. And I think that the, the pelvis and the position of the pelvis plays a really big part. And so I was talking about this maybe about a month ago when I said that the clitoris, again, lives in the outer one third of the vagina. So the more pressure and stimulation we get to that outer part of the vulva during penetration, the more likely you are to achieve orgasm during it. So many times as women and those of us who have female genitalia, then we, we take this passive role. 
during mm-hmm. intercourse where we're just kind of like <laughs> just laying there like Surface. a log. <laughs> yeah, but we don't realize, okay, that sex sex is active. You might have to change the position of your pelvis. You might have to figure out, okay, where does it feel more sensitive? Relax your belly. Many of us are also, we're so tense because we don't want to look a certain way. And if you're sucking your belly in, that could cause pain or discomfort with thrusting. Because whenever your abdominals contract, your pelvic floor muscles contract. So, if hey, if you're following Nikki, then you're, you're, you're doing a good thing because she's doing all these core exercises. And that's one of the best way to strengthen your pelvic floor is not actually Kegels. Mm-hmm. It's like training the abdominal system, the glutes, the butt, the back. Amen. Because that's what actually makes our pelvic floor move in a way that's natural. If we think about Kegeling, that, that alone is not very functional. There's little to no times during the day where, we're, where we actually need to just do one Kegel. <laughs> that's, that's not functional, even though it can be used to help us progress. Um, and so I think it's important that we realize that our pelvic floor, the position of the pelvis, our arousal is also really important. Right. So if you are not fully aroused, then, you know, you have a poor chance of actually achieving that orgasm um, and so forth. It also goes into tension. A lot of us actually have too much tension. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to go there or not, but a pelvic floor that's not moving because it's so tight is going to have a hard time um, keeping you aroused, supporting your sex drive and also bringing you to orgasm. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I had a close friend of mine. We had kids at the same time and, you know, close friend because she felt comfortable sharing this with me. And she, I remember her saying like, what, what happened to my orgasm? I had this baby and now I can't have an orgasm anymore. It's gone. And she went to see a pelvic health physio. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think she tried a bunch of things and nothing seemed to help. But again, maybe she needed to do some more work and practice on her own. But what would you say to anyone who has had a child and all of a sudden, or anyone really having had a kid or not, they just all of a sudden lost their ability to orgasm. Okay. So first of all, I think the language is very discouraging, right? If you just say, I lost my ability to orgasm, it's, I think it's reinforcing that you're not having an orgasm, nor will you ever have one anytime soon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would say, first of all, change the language right now. I'm not achieving this orgasm. Right. And that's what it is. Next, I would say, consider your hormones. Your hormones also play a really big part in your arousal, the amount of blood flow that's actually going to reach the vagina. Um, You know, when you're I don't know if this person was breastfeeding, but if you're breastfeeding, then estrogen levels are lower. Okay, she was not. Um, But there's still a recovery. Right. Because for nine months you were pregnant, you were your, your body was not prioritizing sex during that time. It's prioritizing making a human. And so sometimes even a few months after delivery, there's still the hormonal regulation that's trying to find its its, uh, baseline again. So that's there. Also, if there's any scar tissue um, around the vaginal opening, if you tore, like if you had a second degree, third degree, any type of tear, there could be some scar tissue there. And that outer part of the pelvic floor those, those are where our sphincters are. Um, the vaginal, we actually have a vaginal sphincter. We think about the anal sphincter a lot, but we also have a vaginal one that's called the cavernosus, and that's gibberish. It doesn't really matter the name of it, but there's a muscle that surrounds the vagina and that muscle actually attaches onto the clitoris. And so the health of that muscle is usually impacted, you know, after we give birth because the vagina stretched to gajillion, <laughs> you know, just stretched so much when we had the baby. 
And so that could be impacting that there. Um, I would say, make sure that there isn't any pain. Um, number two, see, make sure that your muscles can actually contract and relax well. If your muscle is so stiff, that means that the contraction is going to be really minimal as well, which limits the strength. So tension can lead to weakness. So ensure that you feel your muscles moving. So if you squeeze your anus right now, you should feel the muscles lift up and in towards your rib cage. And then when you let go, you should feel a nice good drop on the way down, almost like you want to drop your uterus out. <laughs> Imagine that you wanted to like lift the uterus up with your vagina and they wanted to let go and, and imagine that your uterus fell out. I know that's not a, a good visual. We don't want our uterus to fall out. No. <laughs> However, um, that's the visual, you know, or one of, one of the other things I say is act like you're lifting a blueberry with your vagina or with your anus and mm. then act like you want to drop it and let it completely fall out. If you're not feeling good movement on both directions, the lift and the drop, then that may signal weakness, tension, poor coordination, and all of that can impact your ability to orgasm. Um, Amen. Yeah, yeah. And there's also lubrication. I mean, there's so many things, um, but give, give yourself time. Postpartum is a, is a new phase of life and your body is also readjusting to the differences. So I'd say give yourself time and look through those different things. So I want to know, and I'm just kind of backing up here. I want to know a little bit more about you and what made you want to become a women's health physical therapist. You know what? I was in physical therapy school and I didn't know about women's health PT or public health PT. We had a very small introduction to women's health. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, this sounds really cool. I would love to do this. That was all it was because there was no other classes. There was no follow-up. I finished PT school and I actually started with orthopedic physical therapy. You know, my back hurt, my shoulder hurts, my foot hurts, my toe hurts, my nose hurts. That thing, I, I did that for about two years and eventually did some traveling physical therapy, which I absolutely loved. I love to travel. And um, my recruiter told me about a position in Oakland, California with women's health physical therapy, mainly focused on bladder dysfunction. And I was like, oh my gosh, put my name in for this. I know I do not have experience, but just put my name in and I'm going to talk myself up to the heavens. So that's exactly what I did. I was like, I'm good with people. I'm going to motivate these women. And so they gave me the chance and I was supposed to stay there for three months, but I, I ended up renewing my contract for a year straight because I completely loved it. Um, after that, I went ahead and did my residency at Loyola here in uh, Chicago region. Um, and here I am now, uh, got board certified. So now this is all that I do. So pelvic health, women's health, vaginas, all the things. That's that's my go-to now. I love that. And yeah. and I have to say, because I've been preaching the benefits of pelvic health for like about 10 years, I say since 2012. Wow. And I've heard from a lot of, of students um, of mine, Pilates students, that their experience does vary tremendously depending on who they see yeah. in terms of, you know, approaches to care. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about your approach? Because you know, sometimes people will switch to a different PT and all of a sudden get different results because there's so many, there's, there seems to be different approaches and different skill sets, frankly. Yeah, there are different approaches. I would say there's probably about three major types of approaches. The, the first approach is like no internal, um, no internal vaginal or no internal pelvic floor exam. And it's just a lot of exercises, Kegels, clams, bridges, all of that. 
And then you have the the mindset where it's a lot of internal. You're going to get those trigger points digged out for about 12 12 weeks. If you have any pain inside of your pelvic floor, there's a lot of internal, but not a lot of movement, not a lot of function. Um, And they're they're all so common and you can get better on both. Let me just say that. It It doesn't mean that just because someone spends a lot of time on exercises that you won't get better. It also doesn't mean that just because someone spends a lot of time with the hands on that you won't get better. Um, it's just, I currently think those are common. The other style, I think would be a little bit more functional, looking at your posture, looking at your stressors, right? I have people that tell me they only leak when they're stressed or they only leak when they're rushed or they leak when they're yelling at their husband. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's different things. We have to address that. I can't just give you Kegels or give you the butterfly or give you happy baby but I'm not looking at what's actually contributing to your leakage. It's also um, body image. Uh, many of us are insecure, relaxing our abdominal region. So that means we're breathing wrong. If you're sucking your belly in, your diaphragm is not moving. You're breathing from your chest and your shoulders and your chest are moving when you breathe. But then now your diaphragm is essentially not moving. And that means your pelvic floor is not as well. So then we have to look at, okay, letting them know it's good to relax your belly. This means an upgrade for your vagina. And upgrade for your public floor. Like, no one wants to be, you know, immobile when it comes to fitness. Um, so that's the approach I take. I do use a lot of internal and I also use a lot of exercises, but I don't do a lot of the whole core strengthening thing because I think we can overdo that. And if you look at people who have absolutely no pelvic floor dysfunction, they're not peeing their pants sex feels great. They have good pelvic floor mobility. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do crunches and and core exercises every day. I'm starting to look more at muscular balance. So if you have a lot of tension held in your belly, right, Mm because you're sucking in all the time, then that's going to lead to dysfunction somewhere else, likely in your pelvic floor. Or someone that has vulvodynia, which is like pain on the outer lips or the clitoris, I'm seeing a lot of upper extremity dysfunction where the scapula is weak. Right. And one side of their shoulder is like lifted and the other side is is lower. So there's an imbalance. Our pelvic imbalances. We see this a lot. I'm sure you see this a lot where one side of the pelvis is lifted or someone has hip pain on one side. What's driving that dysfunction as opposed to immediately assuming that someone needs to do bird dogs, uh, planes, clams, all of these things. I think that muscular symmetry Mm -hmm. And muscular balancing is almost more important because we only need a certain level of strength. Beyond that, we don't need to be like these Olympic, (laughs) you know, super duper strong people. We need functional level of strength. Then after that, we need our muscles to be happy, right? If one side of of our neck or one side of our butt is extremely tight, painful, and weak, then that's probably going to start driving some pelvic floor dysfunction. I love that you said that because I often I've often explained to people you can have knots, like for example, on one side of your shoulder, just like you can kind of have knots on one side of your pelvic floor. So you yeah. can have like a combination of tension and weakness and laxity. Right. Right. Exactly. And people go, Well, I want to know, am I tense or am I lax? And I'm like, you might be both. And then they're exactly. like, What? <laughs> what? Frequently. Frequently yeah. happens because if your muscle is so tense that it's not moving through the full range of motion, then that means you're not able to access a good quality contraction. You're not going to be able to produce force if your muscles can't move. So then now you're having weakness. For a lot of people, though, once you release that tension, 
then they're able to now access the strength. Mm-hmm. But then you have some people that are actually just weak where, you know, the muscle is not tight. It's just not contracting. It's not turning on. And then we do have to fire up that core. We do have to fire up the pelvic floor. Um, so it's, it just, I hate to say it depends, <laughs> but, but it, it does. does. <laughs> we, we think everyone is the same and, and we're not. And that's where the, the danger is sometimes with um, just assuming, okay, we saw this exercise on this someone's page. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that that's the answer for you. Um, social media can be very helpful. And I think a lot of people have found immense help from our pages, but then there's also people who literally need to just go get an assessment. Like you need to see what's going on with you. And we both encourage this a lot. So I'm sure that we're preaching to the choir here, <laughs> but you know, we can't overstate that. So It's very true. And it's hard. There's a lot of people who are doing like DIY for their pelvic floor. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to scroll yeah. social media and I'm going to try to DIY this problem. And I mean, I understand it may not be accessible to everybody. And I know you do your best to try to educate and so do I, but you're absolutely right. It can be hard to DIY this with exercises off Instagram for sure. Yeah, only. I I think that Instagram is so helpful. Mm -hmm. But if you let's say you're trying this stuff and it's not getting better or maybe it's getting worse, sometimes you just need, honestly, the motivation and the accountability from a professional because Scrolling through the gram may not get you motivated enough to do your exercise on a regular basis, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's so many different factors, but I do think that overall it, it is a blessing to have people like you and I giving free information, free. Let's just, let's just emphasize oh that. God, I love you. you don't have to schedule an appointment. You don't have to pay anything or get your insurance card. Um, we're just giving this stuff out for free. So that means so many people can access it. They usually don't have access to healthcare. It's the idea, my friend. That's the idea. Lexi here. Okay, so let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute. Body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. So let me ask you a question. What are three of your top tips for anybody listening to this who is experiencing any problems in their sex life as it relates to not being able to orgasm or lack of libido other than, you know, and you already mentioned this, stop sucking your tummy in, stop clenching your butt. <laughs> but what else could you mention here? Um, our overall health is very important. So we talked about how an erection 
our arousal is literally blood flow. It's just blood coming to, for us, our clitoris and our vaginal wall and our uterus. If our blood vessels are not healthy, then there's going to be limited blood flow. If we have poor cardiac fitness, there's going to be limited blood flow. So have you checked your cholesterol levels? Have you checked your fasting glucose? Do you have polycystic ovarian syndrome? Do you have prediabetes? You can notice a difference in your clitoral sensitivity and your sensitivity with sex just by limiting sugar for a few days. I really believe that um, because that stuff is going to stick around somewhere. And usually it can stick around in the bloodstream. And that means it's going to be decreasing the amount of blood flow to your clitoris. Um, so don't forget about your nutrition. Your nutrition is, is so key. In order to make our sex hormones, those hormones are made from nutrients. They don't get made from thin air. So it's like if you want to make a cake, you have to have the flour. You can't make the cake without it, period. And so if you want to feel more aroused, support your sex hormones by supporting your food intake. I have a vagina food e-guide that I dropped a couple of months ago. And I talk about my top 50 foods for your vagina. And it goes into so many things, painful periods, low libido, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, just different foods that can help you because food is, I mean, I, I hate to say, sound cliche, but it, it really is medicine. And we're, we're supposed to be eating two to three times a day. So you might as well eat foods that do more for you. Um, so fatty foods are really good for supporting your sex drive and your sexuality because cholesterol is then used to make our sex hormones. So you're talking um, like avocados, not like Twinkie. Yeah, I'm not talking about bacon, y'all. I'm not talking about uh, fried chicken, but I am talking about avocados, olive oil, nuts, almonds, uh, pistachios, walnuts, um, even Greek yogurt. And some some fat is is fine too. I mean, if you have a little butter, you know, even have some um, um, fatty. Well, fatty fish is actually really good, really good for you, like salmon. These things are great too. So that is a, is a big piece. Look at your nutrition. Um, the next thing that I would say is look at your mindset about your mindset, your mindset, excuse me, about sex. Um, our hormones help, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. If you grew up with a very restricted uh, mindset about sexuality, then you want to st- sort of work through that. Because if your brain is thinking about sex as bad, dirty, um, it shouldn't be happening too much. It's going to be difficult for your brain to then drive your arousal, to then drive your sex drive. Um, the last thing I'll say is move your pelvis, move it. <laughs> Our jobs are, are modern. They're, you know, we're, we're indoors. We're at an office. Even if we work from home, we're on our laptop, we're sitting down, we're on our phone, unless we're filming something. <laughs> so our pelvis is in this shortened, immobile state. And the pelvis is the place of sexuality outside of the brain, right? Our sexual organs live there. That's where our uterus is, our vagina, and our clitoris. So if you want to wake things up, start moving your pelvis around, start shaking that booty. If you got tight muscles, stretch them. If you can't feel your pelvic floor muscles, start looking into why you can't feel the movement there. Um, And I focus a lot on this, and, and you do too, on just overall pelvic health, overall, um, you know, wellness when it comes to movement. Um, 
So I have a I have a release e-guide for those who have tense and restricted pelvic floor muscles. Because let's let's be honest, if sex hurts, you're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. That's going to be decreasing your arousal and your sex drive. So for those of us who have painful, tense, or hypertonic pelvic floor muscles, which just means too tight, I have a release e-guide, um, and you can find that via my Instagram page, Vagina Rehab Doctor. Um, and, and that's a good place to start. I also have an upcoming masterclass. I think I talked about this with you. Um, the name of it is Things Your Mama Couldn't Say About Your Vagina. I love it. Oh, what a great name. <laughs> because, okay, did your mom tell you that? No. No, I already, you don't even need to ask me the question. I have answers now. (laughs) Did your mom tell you that being aroused is good? No. I mean, that literally our body needs nutrients. We need a certain amount of calories. We need to be at a certain level of of pretty much fairly low stress to be aroused. And wanting. I mean, so this is healthy and it's normal. So in my next masterclass, things your mama couldn't say, um, I'm going to talk about that, how to strengthen your sex drive, the differences between the female sexuality and male sexuality, um, checking your own pelvic floor muscles, right? And this won't um, replace a visit with the pelvic physical therapist, but it's like a screen. You know, we've, we've been taught how to screen our boobs and our breasts. It's, it's a vaginal muscle screen that you can do at home. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And then the last thing is pelvic floor muscle training mm-hmm. for supporting our sexuality and even fitness. Um, so that's my next masterclass on October 2nd. Um, so that's another resource, but move your pelvis, eat fatty foods and support a healthy mindset. When it comes to sex, sex is, is not bad, regardless of if you're religious or not, you might have some boundaries attached, attached to what you believe about sex, but sex in and of itself and wanting sex is, is, is very, is normal. It's healthy. It's very natural. I love it. So, okay, we're going to make sure this episode launches before your next masterclass, but tell us, tell us exactly where we can find you. You mentioned your Instagram handle. We're going to put this in the show notes too. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram, vagina rehab doctor. There's no spaces, anything vagina rehab doctor, the same for my website, vagina rehab doctor.com. My email vagina rehab doctor at gmail.com. So those are the three main ways. I'm also on TikTok for my Gen Z and millennials listening <laughs> to this. Um, but I would say mainly I post a lot on Instagram. That's, I would say my number one way I, I get my information out there. Um, I'm trying to do more with like emails and things, but I'm working on that. But if you get on Instagram, you'll find me. If not, you can always go to my website, vaginarehabdoctor.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am. I feel like we may need to do a sequel down the road. There's so much to talk about here and I, I know it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you again. Yes. Thanks for having me. I look forward to coming back. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at we go there podcast and check out we go there podcast.com for more info.